Welcome to Lou Palumbo's Between the Lines. Problem solving for our future. Lou. Common sense, logic, and reasoning. Lou. The man that can't stand hate and animus. Lou. Stimulating the thought process of America. Lou. Where being right is not political, it's factual. Lou. Providing real solutions in real time. And now, here's your host, Lou Palumbo. Let's just create a quick outline as to what this podcast is about. This is not about ridicule, demeaning people, making fun of them, in a less than constructive manner, um, criticizing them. We're trying to be productive. We're trying to change the conversation. We're trying to give food for thought. We're trying to motivate people to become part of a solution, never become part of the problem. Uh, It's about our children. Ultimately, you know, for us big people, our responsibility is to pave the way for our children, their freedom, their safety, everything that pertains to them, their health, their education, their overall welfare, the safety of their neighborhoods, their diet, their medicine. In some areas of this country, we are falling short. There is no question. We don't like to talk about it because it's a heavy lift. And we'd rather politicize this issue or posture as if we really are helping a demographic that does need help. Um, In addition to that, I want to remind everyone today about this phantom rescue. A gentleman by the name of Frank Smith happens to be an attorney. We won't hold that against you. You're kind of like a necessary evil. Is the head of this organization. And Tony Sparks, I believe, has been involved in this since its inception. Tony is a rather interesting and colorful character. He spent 25 years in the U.S. Army. He was attached to a special operations unit that specialized in counterterrorism and hostage rescue, which is a little bit about what Phantom Rescue is about. Um, Continued to work for the government. I recommend you Google him. The reading is quite interesting. Basically, this organization goes out and rescues young people, older people, any people that are being sex trafficked. Um, It's happening at the border. It's happening within some of our own families, ironically enough. It's happening on tribal lands of the indigenous people. It's a big problem that's not being spoken to because I guess there's not enough sizzle to the stake for the media, who we now know after this past three weeks, past three weeks, excuse me, unequivocally controls what it is you're going to listen to, hear, and read. Uh, Before we get started, I do want to just thank Buzzsprout and Instacart for uh, sponsoring us. They're very user-friendly. We'll get into it more a little further into the show. As I was mentioning about the media, which I got a real bug in my ear about, um, for about the past 24, 25 days, we have just been peppered on a daily basis with what's going on in the Ukraine. We hear little or nothing about the borders, which is critical to the safety of this nation and its, its citizens and even its visitors. We hear nothing about the rampant crime in the city. You might be interested to know that two police officers in St. Louis um, were carjacked or attempted carjacked. And the St. Louis district attorney has designed... Uh, excuse me, has declined to prosecute, which I think is just consistent with the times. I don't know what it is you have to do today for us to remand you and prosecute you. If the mentality is that this is some form of reparation, stop pumping smoke at the minority community. I'm not suggesting that we don't 
give consideration to circumstance, but you can't intellectualize these problems. And something that has come to light through a conversation I had with someone the other day is, what's wrong in Washington, D.C.? What's wrong with our policies? We intellectualize these problems. We, we have academics leading the charge. I hate to break it to them. That's not how you fix things. The academic environment is wonderful. It teaches you to think. It broadens your horizons. You know, it makes you an investigator if you really become a student. But it doesn't always answer uh, the question to the problem or provide you the answer to the problem. What we're lacking here is common sense, logic, reason, and the ability to empathize with people in everyday living and problems that they face. So while they're intellectualizing problems in Washington, D.C., and, and I say this somewhat tongue-in-cheek, we may have too many lawyers in Washington, D.C., holding congressional positions and Senate positions and other positions. The other issue, to be very candid with you, is the money exchange between special interest groups and lobbyists. These things have to stop. Money cannot influence the course of this country or its trajectory, its path of travel. You know, I could speak to you about this ad infinitum. It's very troubling, and that's at the root of the problem, along with the media that's creating your optic and your narrative, which I glossed over just two minutes ago. We need to change things. We don't need to tear people down. We don't need to ridicule them, ostracize them, demean them, defile them. We need to start to put our heads together to problem solve, to start to re-embrace this concept of compromise. It would be a novel idea if we could reintroduce civility, decency, and respect in our exchanges, our discord. You know, the big people are being watched by the little people, by the way. I don't think there's any secret to that. And look at what we're teaching them. At home, you're trying to teach your children to be kind and gentle and empathetic and, and to be persevering and, and all these wonderful attributes. And then we have the big people in the media and in politics slaughtering each other verbally and it gets us nowhere. We're just going in a circle. I oftentimes remind everyone there's nothing anyone outside this country can do that we're not doing to ourselves. We are destabilizing this country. We have unprecedented problems at our borders, consistent with the election of the current president. The crime in our major cities is through the roof. I don't want to get political, but I want people to know something factually the common denominator to this is a democratic regime. For some reason, the optic created by the Democrats is that there are no boundaries and no consequences any longer for the criminal element. You know, I don't know when they're going to understand that's not really helping people. And by the way, if this is an exercise in helping our minorities, you're falling short. If you believe that painting streets letting people engage in civil disobedience, including arson, loot stores, is making it better for children in the minority community. You have never been more misled. I came out of a minority neighborhood known as Bedford-Stuyvesant in Brooklyn. I was the only white kid on the block. My buddies were all black, and everything was pretty cool. I had That was my frame of reference. I wasn't taught about how different we were and how insecure we should become the moment something different stimulates us. Needless to say, you know, if we're going to get into this issue of disparity that minorities are experiencing in this country, we're going to have to spend some money. My recommendation is that the government invest some and private industry voluntarily, not through mandate, 
participate in this process. We need to, to create an environment where their children learn in schools, not go there to maintain order. Make their streets safe so you don't have to worry about your children becoming part of collateral damage when a couple of knuckleheads with high-capacity automatic pistols, or worse, AK-47s, decide to randomly shoot up the joint. We need to, to upgrade their housing. I can tell you, lived, lived in it, seen it pretty much my whole life as a, a civilian and even law enforcement. It's just substandard. There's no other way to say it. You know, we call them slumlords. Maybe there needs to be some form of eminent domain imposed, which forces them to upgrade the housing or lose it to the government, and then we'll upgrade it and we'll take the rent. You know, there's got to be some discussion about fixing this problem. Equally as important is their diet and their medicine. It is just not on par with the rest of middle-class or upper-class American. I don't tell people you have to live with anyone you don't want to live with because the animus is growing on a daily basis. People have to understand something when they hear this term, Black Lives Matter. It's not that other lives don't matter, but black people don't believe their lives matter. And we need to change the way they feel about that. This whole thing is being spun with the media. I listen to them. All lives matter. I got it. I got it. But you don't understand something. Minority people do not believe their lives matter. There's no reason for them to believe that they do. And I want to say one thing to you. It's not because of the cops. Okay? The police follow the lead of the the elected officials in each of their jurisdictions, federal, state, or local. Okay? They're empowered to enforce the law. Right? In enforcing the law, it can take on an optic that you're being discriminatory. That just simply isn't true. And I can tell you from being in this community nearly 49 years, I don't remember brushing up against someone that's selected an individual because of their ethnicity, their religious denomination, or their cultural background. I just That's just not true. Are there some cops that are heavy-handed? Yes. No question. That's why we have police reform. This is a different America than the America I went into when I went into law enforcement was back in 1973. We've evolved. The training is better. The candidates should be better, although I'm being a little nervous now because we can't get people to come onto this job the caliber of which we need. The caliber's got to be better. The compensation has to be better. The training has to be ongoing and almost never-ending. That's the approach to this today. If you want a problem solved, Stop pumping smoke at the minorities like you, you, you think you care about them because you don't. And I have to be candid with you. The problem um, is on both sides of the aisle. You know, the Republican Party have what I refer to as a heart of stone. You know, they're not really in touch with the minority community. Although it's interesting, but a lot of the minorities or their workforce, especially um, when you talk about people crossing the border, the immigration, they're a big part of your workforce. The Democratic Party... They just simply pulled the wool over the minority's eyes. I remind everyone, the Democrats were the party of slavery. They were the big pushback in the 1960s against civil rights. Suddenly, they've had divine intervention. They're leading the charge. Let me tell you what they did. Witnessed, 1965, they decided to start to give minorities welfare. What a noble notion. Let's cripple them and make them more dependent upon you. Why not give them some incentive to go to school? I want to explain to everybody, there's a really interesting equation that exists in this country, and it may be a universal concept. A lack of education equals unemployment. Unemployment equals crime. We need to break that cycle of syndrome. 
It has nothing to do with who you want to live with, who you're comfortable with. You're going to have to deal with your own insecurities and your fears on your own, independent of this very basic fundamental fact. You need to live in parity, and we're not doing that. And I have to say this. For people that have a problem with men, women, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, being on the dole as we refer to it, you're being taken care of. I, I got it. That's a bitter pill to swallow. You have to understand how they got there. But let's step away from that for a second and just talk about the kids. You got to give these children a shot, especially if you intend on taking this country on a different trajectory. I'm going to talk to you now a little bit about the borders, <clears throat> which we don't talk about anymore. Um, but what I'm going to do first, I'm going to take a quick break, and we're going to come right back to this discussion about the borders. Just stick with me, guys. If you're looking for peace of mind, look no further than Global Elite for your safety. Global Elite Security Force is made up of active and former law enforcement agents. Their force has worked at the federal, state, and local level. They are dedicated to providing the most professional personal security and investigative services available in the private sector. With offices nationwide and globally, this footprint gives Global Elite the ability to coordinate protection and security anywhere in the world. Think of Global Elite Protection Services for special events, dignitaries, high-profile net worth individuals, and the entertainment industry security services. Offering drones, weapons detection, shot sporting, chem bio detection, executive protection surveillance, dignitary protection, threat assessment, private investigation, and cyber security. They are the experts in intelligence and private protection services. Go to globalelite.com us.com that's globalelite.us.com to engage global elite have you ever thought about doing your own podcast and found the process confusing and overwhelming well let studio podcast suites of jacksonville make it easy for you they have everything you need to record produce and distribute a professional sounding podcast Studio Podcast Suites is Jacksonville's only five-star rated professional podcast studio rental and podcast service company. Studio Podcast Suites provides two clean and comfortable state-of-the-art recording suites for both audio and video podcast recording. They offer a complete menu of podcast services, including editing, podcast art, hosting, video, consulting, and more. Studio Podcast Suites. Jacksonville's premier professional podcast studio recording and podcast service company. Book your studio today at studiopodcastsuites.com. That's studiopodcastsuites, S-U-I-T-E-S dot com. Studio Podcast Suites. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to go to a caller. Um, if you'll just give us one moment. Here we go. Hello. Hello, Lou. This is Margaret from Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, Margaret, how are you? Good, thank you. And thank you for taking my call. My I pleasure. Have, I want to ask you a quick question. 610, where's that area code from? Why does that ring a bell? Uh, that's actually in the East Coast, but we moved here uh, a year ago and um, haven't changed the number yet. <laughs> and you, you probably want to keep it because it's probably wi widely distributed, Margaret. But um, I, I appreciate you calling in, Margaret, taking the time because I think we need to change the conversation in this country. Um, well, I tell you what I'm calling about, and it really upset me. Um, I was looking, reading the Denver Post. It was probably a month ago. And the headline said, Colorado police can legally lie to children. 
And the article went on and told about these two little girls who were taken to the police station and interrogated about um, that their parents perhaps sexually abused them. And uh, the, the girls were interviewed. And later in the article, it said that Colorado hasn't passed this, that there are only two states in the country that do not allow police to lie to children. And this went on and said that the police said that the, her sister, uh, that they separated the girls. The sister said it was that they were abused. And this girl said that they weren't. But after a while, she just needed to get out of there. And so if her sister had said it, maybe she didn't understand. So she said, okay, but then I was abused too. And the parents ended up going to prison. And, it, you know, why, why can police do this? Well, Margaret, to, to just sum it up is they shouldn't. You know, I have this thing about not lying, period. And I, and I know the value of a little white lie I got that. This is not what we're making reference to. This thing about manipulating children is just a very dangerous place to go. The thing I find interesting, Margaret, is that in my experiences in law enforcement, which have been through a number of decades, my understanding of my community, when we um, acquire I want to be really careful how I say this. Custody of a child. A child comes into our custody. One of the first things we do is contact a parent or guardian, or we contact someone within the police department, for example, from a juvenile aid bureau. You know, some of the agencies refer to it that way. But um, I can never understand why law enforcement would pit a child against a child. We do that with perps. Let me not mince words about it. We have two guys involved in a commission of a co- crime. We play them We play them off against each other. This is irreprehensible. Well, I, can, I can understand that. With, yeah, yeah. I, I, Margaret, with, I, I, listen, you and I are on the same page. This is this is irreprehensible and it's unacceptable. And um, a child doesn't even have to be have a parent there. <coughs> they can separate the child from the parent and the poor child. Yeah, you know, you know what? Uh, I, I have to tell you something. It sounds like the makings of a lawsuit and some reform. You know, Margaret, let me be clear about something with you. Not everything we do in, in law enforcement is 100% spot on. We make lots of mistakes. We're on the learning curve in this culture, just like everybody else, which is why there's this um, call for police reform. We need to examine some of our policies. We need to examine some of our practices. We need to examine some of, some of the laws or guidelines. What you're referring to doesn't necessarily fall under the penal law in the state of Colorado. It's probably a, a a patrol guide issue that what you're allowed to do or not do. Because I cannot imagine that a law in a state would allow this to happen and not and go unchallenged. You follow me? This law well, needs to be challenged. Well, yes, and it said in the article that there are only two states <laughs> that don't allow police to to lie to children, which means there are 48 that do. Yeah, Margaret, you know what, though? I, I have to say uh, I would want to investigate that, to be candid with you, to to make sure that there was a high level of credibility in that report. You know, it, it's alarming to think that 48 states have a policy where they would play a child against a child to get an end result. These are children, for the love of God. And, you know, I would right. say to you that absent of the parent, you know, the problem here, Margaret, also is that the parent is the focus of the investigation. So they're trying to get a true rendition or accounting from the child. What I would recommend to the police is that they employ the services of a counselor or psychologist, right, who can speak to the child. And I've actually had to do this once myself to get to the root or the truth of an issue. I think it's just inappropriate 
to lie to a child to get them to give a statement that the police want predicated on misinformation. I mean, th- these are children for yes. the love of God. I mean, what, what, what are, you know, what are we thinking about here? And if what you're saying to me is that 48 states employ this practice and we need to have a sit down with 48 states and get them on another page, you know, children are entitled exactly. to have advocates. The notion yes. of taking a child into an interrogation room, which is what I'm alluding from this conversation, independent of supervision or support, it's just unacceptable. We would never do that where I'm from. That's all I'm going to say to you. I have never, Margaret, I want to be 100% candid with you. In 49 years I'm in this community, I've never heard this concept brought before me ever. I mean, well, it's okay to lie to children to play them off against each other. You know, you know what, what yeah. happens is they become fearful that they don't want to contradict something the other child said because then they'll look like, a, I mean, they go through this whole psychological maze. Exactly. Who in well, the wide it, world of sports ever thought of this concept? And you know what? If in fact this is what's transpiring, we need to amend the law. You know, listen, the law alleges it's the perfection of reason. We have a Supreme Court Right. Although we have a whole series of lower courts, district, so on and so forth, state Supreme Courts, district courts, but to eventually get to the Supreme Court to examine the actual constitutionality or health of a law and how it impacts the culture. I, I don't know what to say. I mean, dismayed is one of the words. And uh, I, was, I was just shocked that it that it still isn't a law in all these states. I mean, what can we do? <coughs> it's it's ridiculous. I'm going to answer the what we can do part that. of that. You have to okay. contact your, your state legislators to begin with, right, and express to them your your concern that this is a practice that's going on. I would also call, you ready, the highest-ranking yes. foreign enforcement, highest, that was like a tongue twister, highest-ranking law enforcement official in that jurisdiction, be it a chief or a police commissioner or whomever it is, to tell them that you're not happy about this and what is this practice about. Start to bring some light to it. Oh, yeah, by the way, Contact the media. I know I'm part of that arm in theory. I'm, I want to blow smoke up my own head. Uh-huh. I almost said my backside. I'm not supposed to say <laughs> bad words. I apologize, Margaret. Um, but, you know, go to the media and say, you know, can you guys investigate this practice? The media would love to take a look up the dress of law enforcement because every chance they get, they do it. And you know what? Sometimes it's deser- deserving. Look, I, I have to tell you something interesting that I've had an incredible journey and if I had it to do over again, I would go back into law enforcement. I have a good education. I have a lot of, lot of knowledge from growing up in the streets and, and things I've been exposed to in travel and situations. I would go right back in. But I do want to tell you this. It's an incredible profession, but we are faulted. And maybe what you're talking to right now, Margaret, to kind of simplify this, is another fault that needs to be addressed. And I'm providing you some form of addressment. Go to the media. Well- Go to the law enforcement official, go to your legislature and say, hey, guys, what is this nonsense that we're lying to children, playing them off on one another? You know, you can get two kids. You know, the the unfortunate part is sometimes the credibility of children can come into question, especially when it's not derived in a proper manner, which is why you need people who are clinical. I am not clinically backgrounded, and I have to tell you something. If you, if you love and understand children, your responsibility is to protect them, not expose them, not potentially harm them emotionally. If I've got well, this and, right, go ahead, Margaret, say something. I'm sorry. And, and what you're saying is true. Apparently, Colorado is starting to work on this. But I'm hoping that your listeners from all over the country will do what you said and approach their legislatures because um, it, it, needs to be, it needs to be addressed I can't, I can't, 
argue with that statement, and I I wanted to provide for you and anyone listening means of addressment. First thing I do is I call the police department, the county sheriff's office, whoever it is, and go, listen, I'm hearing this is going on. Please tell me this isn't true. And if it is true, why aren't these children provided counselors, advocates, someone in their corner? You know, normally, Margaret, so you know the process, the minute you come in contact with a minor, right, you'd contact a parent or guardian. In this instance, the the parent is part of part of or the focus of an investigation, so maybe we have to set them aside. But I do know that these law enforcement agencies, especially the good ones, the bigger ones that have resources and think and work outside the box, have mechanisms within to help address these very delicate issues involving children. You know, these are the same mechanisms that we need to have in place when we deal with victims of sex crimes. You know, understand what I'm saying, Margaret? We need to change this platform of thinking in law enforcement. And the way to do that is exactly how I described it to you. Okay, thank you. Were you satisfied with that answer, young lady? Yes, because I I really wanted to bring this to your attention so that the rest of the country could do something because it's it's so upsetting. Listen, I, I I, I hear you and I hope that people are listening to this and I encourage anyone listening that has any knowledge of this going on to speak to it, not be afraid. I tell you right now, the media would love to latch their hands on something like this. I guess they're too busy, you know, talking to me about the Ukraine. Not that that's not important, but we have issues nagging us in this culture we need to address, and you just brought to light another one. And I thank well, you for that, I, Margaret. Sure, and I do have a, a follow-up as long as you brought it up, and that is that um, recently in the paper it said that Putin is kidnapping children in the Ukraine, that he's kidnapped about almost 2,400 of them, bringing them to Russia? Why? Or have you heard that? I haven't heard that. And, you know, nothing that he does would surprise me, especially because I think he's in such a state of desperation right now um, that he's capable of anything. And I mean that literally, which is why we're concerned about this whole issue of yes. the use of nuclear weapons. You know, this this thing about abducting children – you know, this is the reality of it, Margaret, and, and, I, and I don't like violence. I, I want to tell you a little bit real quickly. I grew up quite violent. I grew up fighting. I mean, just literally fist fighting. By the time I was 12, I could hold my hands like a boxer, which is not normal, believe me. But it was my frame of reference and the context in which I live. Um, I, I'm just going to tell you that, you know, we're going to have to square off with him at some point. I, I happen to believe the president's position about no boots on the ground, and not allowing an overcommitment of assets or resources sensitive in nature to escalate our involvement may be a correct path. I hope he's not doing the right thing for the wrong reason. I'm hoping that he's not doing that because he's afraid to tangle with this guy because there's a lot of Putins on the planet, and you have to go after them. There's no other way to do this, and I want to just make everybody aware of something. He's not going to act with impunity. He's not going to have that ability. He answers to China. Don't be fooled. He answers then, to oligarchs. But this I thing, this practice. I'm sorry, Margaret. Go ahead. Th- then I ask you, what what do you think Putin's end game is? That's the sixty four dollar question because he's gone into a country and decimated it, mentally, yes. emotionally, and physically. And I don't know what good he thinks is going to be derived from this incursion. But you know what? It all lends itself to what I call a personality defect or dysfunction. You know, part of the problem with Putin is he's traveled a very narrow path in life. He's not exactly been out there stretching his legs and embracing other people's ideas, which are contrary to his own. Um, 
he's just a very dangerous man who was around in the, in the KGB, as a matter of fact, during the, the Soviet Union and the Cold War. And at that point, uh, the, the Soviet Union was revered on some level. Um, they're no longer, Russia is no longer revered. They're in a lot of trouble. This war has indicated the level of the trouble. I mean, they got, they got problems in paradise there, folks. Um, he's overstepped his boundaries. He's overextended himself. If this demonstration of Russian might is the best they have, he better go back to the drawing board. But I do remind everyone of something. He has the ability to facilitate the end of civilization. All he's got to do is start pushing buttons and we have to hope that there's a mechanism in place that does not give him the sole arbitrary ability to do that you know our president doesn't have that there's a whole mechanism or chain in a sense chain of command before we can start popping buttons or going into the to the suitcases we we refer to it you know there's no logic there's no reason there's no common sense attached to what he's doing in the ukraine right now this place is unsalvageable at this point. He doesn't have the money to rebuild it. And the emotional scars and the anger and resentment that he's spurning from these people, he's going to be living over, looking over his shoulder for the rest of his life, and so is his military and anyone else who's had their fingerprints on this episode. And they need to pursue him as a war criminal. If half of what's being reported, Margaret, is true, there's nothing been more egregious in this century, quite honestly. And I have to tell you something. What he did... And uh, trying to eliminate a race of people, the Jewish, you know, Jews in, in World War II, I don't want to say is is making that pale in comparison, but he's getting right up there on that level. What he's doing, this lack of regard for life, is just in, in, incomprehensible. I want to say one thing to you, Margaret, and this is not to entertain you, but the news reported 925 people, Ukrainians, have died. How do you know that? What are you doing, going through all the rubble, collecting, or putting numbers on bodies? Where do they get off saying that? It, the number's probably far more than that. Oh, but yeah. I, will, I will say this to you. This issue about him kidnapping kids, that has to be thoroughly investigated. And that's, that's where I want to leave that. And then after that's confirmed, then we need to have another discussion about how we're going to address that. Um, Margaret, I have to take a quick break. I want to invite you to stay with me. And when I come back, we can finish this conversation. I want to give you the last word. Is that okay? That's fine. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. We're going to be right back, guys. This is Between the Lines. You can find us at betweenthelines.tv. If you're looking for peace of mind, look no further than Global Elite for your safety. Global Elite Security Force is made up of active and former law enforcement agents. Their force has worked at the federal, state, and local level. They are dedicated to providing the most professional personal security and investigative services available in the private sector. With offices nationwide and globally, this footprint gives Global Elite the ability to coordinate protection and security anywhere in the world. Think of Global Elite Protection Services for special events, dignitaries, high-profile net worth individuals, and the entertainment industry security services. Offering drones, weapons detection, shot sporting, chem bio detection, executive protection surveillance, dignitary protection, threat assessment, private investigation, and cyber security. They are the experts in intelligence and private protection services. Go to globalelite.us.com. That's globalelite.us.com to engage global elite. Have you ever thought about doing your own podcast and found the process confusing and overwhelming? Well, let Studio Podcast Suites of Jacksonville make it easy for you. They have everything you need to record, produce, and distribute a professional sounding podcast. 
Studio Podcast Suites is Jacksonville's only five-star rated professional podcast studio rental and podcast service company. Studio Podcast Suites provides two clean and comfortable state-of-the-art recording suites for both audio and video podcast recording. They offer a complete menu of podcast services, including editing, podcast art, hosting, video, consulting, and more. Studio Podcast Suites, Jacksonville's premier professional podcast studio recording and podcast service company. Book your studio today at studiopodcastsuites.com. That's studiopodcastsuites, S-U-I-T-E-S dot com. Studio Podcast Suites. Okay, guys, we're back, and I have a young lady who's from uh, Colorado, lovely state, um, formerly from the East Coast. I believe 610 is a Pennsylvania area code. Margaret, are you still with me? Yes, I am. I, I want to give you a real quick update. The two states we're making reference to that do not employ this tactic of um, using deception with children, it's Illinois and Oregon, and right now New York is exploring it. To their credit, we don't do a whole hell of a lot of things right in New York lately, but this one seems to be on point. So I do want to just tell you, we did look into that. I want to thank uh, Gary okay. Spurgeon, producer here, who did a little bit of investigation during the break. Um, New York is exploring banning deception, which means it's highly likely, but Oregon and Illinois are the only two states that do not employ that tactic. I want to go back to our conversation and, and answer another question or give you time to, to make another comment. Margaret? Yes. Yes. The floor well, is yours. Okay. Well, thank you. Yes. That, that only three states, I mean, if Colorado, and I don't think they've passed this yet, but I think they're planning on it. That's, that's absurd. Everybody has got to go to their congressman or governor or media and uh, complain loudly. I, 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 I couldn't children. agree with you more, Margaret. This, something, this is something that needs to be brought into the media. We need to have a discussion about this with, in a broad sense with media, you know, local news and these 24-hour news cycles. This is just unacceptable that we're yeah. using, uh, you know, uh, tactics of deception to interrogate. Is that what we're doing? We're interrogating our children? Well, and these in Colorado were 11 <laughs> years old. And she said she finally agreed with them just so she could leave and go home. Uh, I wish I could say that's, you know, you know, something we've heard of confessions from big people where after they gave the confession, they said, listen, we would have told the cops anything just to get out of there. You know, it's so sad. But um, I want to go back to this conversation about the Ukraine. Apparently, uh, this is being confirmed that they've abducted 24 children and Mm -hmm. taken them into Russia. I think it's 2,400 2,400, excuse me. I stand corrected. 2,400 and removed them into Russia. And if that is the case... That is escalating this dramatically. You know, at some point, you know, this is my feeling. Our children are the line in the sand. You go near kids with me, you could get a really interesting reaction from me. And there's a lot of people that are like-minded. I don't know what the ages are of the children, if there's a specific age group or gender. He may be abducting boys 14 years and older, right, for the purpose of military application, I, I don't know why in God's name he would want to do this. And I'm certain a lot of them, if they're old enough to figure out how to escape, are probably going to try that. You know, basically what he's doing is he's creating a hostage situation. But, you know, this but, has got to be confronted at some point in time. And, and I don't know, you know, what this president's thinking. I don't know what the prime minister of Great Britain is thinking or France or Germany's. But 
you, you have to put your foot down at some point in time. And I say this is that time right now. You know, you. I want to say one thing, Margaret. You have brought to light today some very interesting topics for discussion. This interrogation oh. of our children and, and how we glean information from them and this discussion about Putin um, abducting 2,400 children. I just don't know what, I don't know what to say. You know, I mean, it's, that's war crime. It's absolutely, absolutely a crime. You know what? I, I have to say this right now. We should be actively hunting him and I wouldn't be surprised if we were. And I have to say this also, he's upset the apple cart of a lot of oligarchs. Their properties are being seized, boats, condos, planes, aircraft, etc. And he's going to have his day of reckoning, you know, and I always believe, and I hope this is true in this instance, that of everything bad comes something good. You know, I hope that is the case. And I want to remind everyone of something else. We don't have an issue with Russia. We have an issue with Putin. The poor people in Russia do not have the quality of life we have. They're just like everyone else, just trying to get through the day, take care of their kids, feed their kids, make gainful employment, so on and so forth, you know. You know, I, I remind everyone, this show is about children. Sounds like we talk about a lot of different topics, but I remind everyone of this. All of these discussions intersect because they lend, ultimately, they lend themselves to the impact they have on our children. So, Margaret, I give you the closing comment right now, my, my dear. Well, God bless and thank you. And I hope that people listen and I hope they realize, especially the police interrogating children. I knew you were in law enforcement and I knew you would have uh, a lot to say. You didn't hold it, it against me, too, and I appreciate that. <laughs> now, here's what I hope. You ready? I appreciate your point of view. Yes. I hope you call back in again. Well, thank you. Thank I, you, and God bless you. It's been a pleasure, my dear. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. We'll be right back, guys. Have you ever thought about doing your own podcast and found the process confusing and overwhelming? Well, let Studio Podcast Suites of Jacksonville make it easy for you. They have everything you need to record, produce, and distribute a professional-sounding podcast. Studio Podcast Suites is Jacksonville's only five-star rated professional podcast studio rental and podcast service company. Studio Podcast Suites provides two clean and comfortable, state-of-the-art recording suites for both audio and video podcast recording. They offer a complete menu of podcast services, including editing, podcast art, hosting, video, consulting, and more. Studio Podcast Suites. Jacksonville's premier professional podcast studio recording and podcast service company. Book your studio today at studiopodcastsuites.com. That's studiopodcastsuites, S-U-I-T-E-S dot com. Studio Podcast Suites. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to tap on to a couple of emails. And uh, I think you're going to find these emails pretty interesting. It's uh, Bill from Salt Lake City. He's asking the following. An upcoming book by New York Times' Jonathan Martin and Alex Burns titled, This Will Not Pass, Trump, Biden, and the Battle of America's Future, mentions that Biden was not pleased with the reports of dissatisfaction among his staff, Harris's staff, and in response, Biden told them if any of them, any of them were found leaking negative stories about Harris to the press, they would be fired. What is your thoughts on this? Maybe he should have chosen a running mate that actually knew what they were doing. Hmm. That's a rather judgmental statement, Bill. Okay. Um, I don't question for two seconds that Biden um, expressed that concern. And if he did, 
I, I would give him a pat on the back because this thing about leaking information, if you're disgruntled, pack your things and go on your way and keep your mouth shut. I want to make people aware of something about myself. I have worked with some of the most high-profile people on this planet. I wouldn't even consider writing a book or doing a show to entertain you. That's just simply not what we do. I'm not interested in leaking information about their personal lives, their likes, their dislikes, their insecurities. Be a professional. If you're not happy, pack up your stuff and go down the road. Now, as far as running mate, now that's a really interesting part of that uh, email. Um, he picked an interesting vice president. She finished less than 2% in, in the polling during the primaries. He did forewarn us he was going to pick a woman. Not that that was a warning. He should be picking the best person. I mean, you look at Amy Klobuchar, this woman's a superstar. Tulsi Gabbard, superstar. You know, that doesn't mean the guys weren't, but if you were hell-bent on picking a woman, why not really pick somebody who was heavily qualified? And I don't mean to be disrespectful towards the vice president, but her own performance is indicting her. She's having a hard time expressing thoughts. It's disconcerting where she finds humor in almost every single question that's posed to her, including, you know, evacuating um, Ukrainians from Ukraine or from Poland. I mean, I don't, I don't see the humor. I didn't get the chuckle on this thing. People are dying there. People have lost everything they've had. They've been forced to leave their homes. You know, I, I don't want to be hypocritical about the vice president. But you know what? They say, be careful what you wish for. You may get it. She wanted it. She got it. And now, you know, she's having a difficult time traversing these waters, compounded by the fact that the press is just simply brutal and unrelenting. You know, I'm not saying cut her a break. I'm saying be constructive in your criticisms. If there's a deficiency in Kamala Harris, I will reassure you that the, that the president, his staff, the House and the Senate are all well aware of that. And, and sadly, I am concerned about her performance. She was empowered to manage the borders. If you think what we have going on on the borders is management, then we need to have a sit down and a come to Jesus discussion here. What's going on the borders is at the borders is irreprehensible, and it's on the cusp of treasonous. When you engage in an activity that so threatens the national security of this country, that's treason. This lack of management, just indiscriminate access at the border, which she's supposed to be supervising, is rampant. They're estimating as many as 2 million people may have come through so far that we can account for. What about the ones we can't? There's a whole other issue about this little country contiguous to us called Mexico. People may not be aware of this, but a little over a week ago, they took a drug lord into custody who was a U.S. citizen, and they extradited him because he wasn't a Mexican citizen. They had no choice. The response to that was to shoot up, to shoot up uh, Luevo Novato, and, and the U.S. consulate, by the way, and to stage an attack, I understand, on the consulate general's home. This is Mexico, folks. This may be, if not the greatest threat to our national security, it's right up there. The vice president was empowered to manage this. She used a very vague and ambiguous um, uh, statement to, I guess, quantify how she was going to manage or her concerns. She wanted to get into the root cause. Really? The root cause where? Do you want to go into these countries that these migrants are fleeing and tell them how to run their government, that it's oppressive, 
that they have too many poor people, that they don't manage their people, that these people are subjected to crimes like robbery and rape and their children. I mean, tell me what that meant. How are you going to address the root cause? Very vague and ambiguous. I don't know what to say about this. You know, tragically, Bill, uh, you, you brought up a really good question here. And this issue about people, you know, jumping out of the, the vice president's administration with parachutes on their back, they're just getting out of Dodge. I, I, I have to tell you something. We witnessed a little bit of this during the Trump administration, but for a different reason. Trump's not easy to work for. I can tell you that. I know people that have worked for him. I've got a person I'm really friendly with who worked for him. He's got a high expectation and he's a lot of no nonsense. I want to tell you something interesting about Trump, not to go off on a tangent. The very same person they vilify, who's from the city of New York, when we couldn't get a program completed, a building project completed, or the Woolman skating rink, they went to him. It was finished ahead of schedule and under budget. Then I heard, yeah, he didn't pay people. Listen, that's just talk. If you're going to make accusations, you should be able to back it up, which goes back to some oversight for the media. Another tangential discussion I won't get into right this second. But they went to him. He built the west side of Manhattan along the Hudson River, 72nd Street South. He actually had a building that he built that was actually his own. The other buildings they paid to put his name on. Hear what I just said? His name was so revered that along these buildings, along Riverside Boulevard, which I'm intimately familiar with because I lived at 70th Street and Riverside Boulevard at one time, they paid to put Trump on their buildings. And, of course, they took it down because... Look, the president didn't go to finishing school. We all realize that. I wish he would have pulled his horns in a little bit after he got elected and said, listen, I know I didn't said some things that rubbed a lot of people. I want to apologize. And, you know, I don't want our children to think it's okay to demean and defile everybody on the planet, including the Pope. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but he did. So, Bill, I hope this answered your question. Um, I wanted to give you a briefer response, but unfortunately, these responses take legs like investigations. So um, we're going to take another email, I believe. Um, Dana from Big Sur, California. Great place. If you haven't been to Big Sur, you've missed something. I can't explain it to you. It's, it's just part of that Monterey Peninsula, and I've been there a thousand times. You have to go and see Monterey, Salinas. Carmel and Big Sur. It's just a phenomenal place. Anyway, now that I'm finished bumping up Big Sur, she's asking, Lou, there were over 10 mass shootings over the weekend alone. Not one even bats an eye anymore. What's happening here? 10 years ago, this would have made headlines in every Monday paper. Now it's hardly even mentioned, and people just shrug, aren't surprised. What's happening? Has this become the wild, has the wild west returned? Okay, this is the reality of it. This is our new norm. And we're becoming anesthetized. And these shootings, whether they're mass shootings in school, uh, excuse me, in cities like Chicago, Philadelphia, or any of the other shootings, have just become so commonplace that it's not that they're not newsworthy, we gloss over them. You know, just like mass shootings at schools, they used to play on for weeks and weeks. They're our new norm as well. We give it a little coverage and then we get on down the road. It's just amazing what the media does. The country is in a crisis. I don't know a nice way to say it. We're, we're faltering. We need leadership. We need calm. We need common sense, logic, reason, decency. We need to know how to pull this country together and galvanize it, not continuously rub in each other's faces our political views. 
I'm not going to go off on a tangent right now about electric and electric cars. I promise you. But that's a rub. It's almost like we're being strong-armed into buying electric cars, even though the technology to support the transition isn't there. Are we turning into the Wild West? No. These problems, I don't want to say they're localized because there's a real significance in the fact that they're occurring in our major cities. It's critical. But the problem, as I mentioned earlier in this show, was that the common denominator, tragically, to all of these major cities that have crime that is out of control is democratic rule. That's the truth. If you follow, for example, the city of New York after David Dinkins and almost 2,490 homicides in the year of 1990, they had a regime change and went to Rudy Giuliani. And I'm not going to be honest with you. I wasn't crazy about uh, uh, Mayor Giuliani. He was a little bit like a bull in a china shop. Did get the job done. But one thing he did do, he appointed the best, most progressive-thinking law enforcement official in the business, William Bratton. And in two years, Commissioner Bratton turned the homicides under 500 through policies he employed. Zero tolerance, quality of life. Stop and frisk was one of them. Um, broken windows, little little crimes go to big crimes. These were a lot of his policies that were quite effective. Everyone rode the crest of that wave that Bill Bratton created for almost 20 years until the introduction of, of uh, Mayor de Blasio. And then we have a whole different discussion going on. And I'm not shy to say this, and I don't mean to be critical, but truthful. This individual took the greatest city in the history of civilization to its knees. He led the charge that you're alluding to. We started making concessions for people hopping turnstiles. Small crime turns into a big crime. The funny story with that, though, just to entertain you for a moment, the news was doing coverage. I was still in New York at the time, and the news was covering this turnstile jumping thing. So what they're finding is that not only are people of a, of, who are poor, of a lower you know, socioeconomic background jumping to turnstiles, men in business suits, women in skirts and pants are hopping them, and they stopped them. They said, you know, what are you guys doing? They said, listen, everybody else is jumping to turnstile. Why in God's name should I be paying to go through the turnstile? And we're not arresting anybody for it. And what's happened from there is the problem's just expanded. What you're experiencing right now is an intellectualization of a problem. The disparity, as I alluded to moments ago, about minorities who we need to help and invest in. We need to convince them that we care about them because they don't believe we do. They don't believe their lives matter. And unfortunately, there's a lot that supports that. There is no systemic racism in America. That's just nonsense. For people that have lives, you don't have enough time to hate people because of the color of their skin, their religious denomination, or their cultural background. It's too tough to just get through the day today. I'm not saying to you there isn't a smaller demographic that exists in the country that has too much free time. They do. If you find yourself having enough time to hate people because of the color of their skin, you have too much free time. You need to go out there and expand your horizons and travel. You know, I, I had the good fortune of growing up in a city where we have everybody on the planet living in New York. And I want to tell you something that's going to entertain you again. We have Jewish people eating in restaurants, getting in cabs with Muslims. We have Catholics with Jews. We have Catholics with Muslims. We have Asian people, although they're starting to take a beating because of this virus, which is just so misguided, in the same communities with us. The North Koreans. We have everybody on the planet. Everybody gets along. We ride the subways together. We share cabs. We share restaurants. We share movie theaters. Not a glitch. 
They board a plane and fly a few thousand miles in another direction. By the time they get off, they're shooting at each other. You got to tell me what's going on here. You know what it is in New York? It's just tough enough getting through the day. You don't have time to bump and grind everybody that comes across your path. That's the interesting part about this. Um, we're going to take a quick break, guys, and uh, we'll be right back. I just want to remind you, you can find us at betweenthelines.tv. I encourage you to call in because you're entitled to an exchange. Email if you're safer feeling like you don't want to get into it with me, and I don't blame you. Um, but if you're going to call and be contentious and be disrespectful, I'm not worried about me, to be honest with you, because my skin's so damn thick at this point, you can't shoot through it. But other, others in this society, we need to pull our horns in. We'll be right back, guys. Have you ever thought about doing your own podcast and found the process confusing and overwhelming? Well, let Studio Podcast Suites of Jacksonville make it easy for you. They have everything you need to record, produce, and distribute a professional-sounding podcast. Studio Podcast Suites is Jacksonville's only five-star rated professional podcast studio rental and podcast service company. Studio Podcast Suites provides two clean and comfortable state-of-the-art recording suites for both audio and video podcast recording. They offer a complete menu of podcast services, including editing, podcast art, hosting, video, consulting, and more. Studio Podcast Suites. Jacksonville's premier professional podcast studio recording and podcast service company. Book your studio today at studiopodcastsuites.com. That's studiopodcastsuites, S-U-I-T-E-S dot com. Studio Podcast Suites. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to wrap this up for today. Something that's just, this, this, issue in the Ukraine just exponentially becomes more and more problematic. We're learning today that 2,500, approximately 2,500 children have been abducted and uh, I guess at the, under the order of Putin and brought back into Russia. I don't know what the line in the sand is at this point. You know, I have to tell you something interesting. There's a group called Boko Haram where they went into communities and they abducted these young girls. We sat by and did nothing, probably because there was no strategic value or monetary gain in getting involved in that. I do know that it was addressed on some levels in a more clandestine fashion. I don't know what to say about what's going on with this man. I don't know what it is he has to do before he so offends your sense of decency that you will stop at nothing to address him. I hope that his inner circle, at some point in time, is capable of having the light go on and realizing this guy has to be neutralized. And I don't really care how they do it, to be candid with you. Part of the problem with this country is we're too emotionally delicate, we're too sensitive. We're so, how would you say, uh, entitled and, and benefiting from the fruition of living here that, you know, things that are really crucially important sometimes, which are rather base, like snatching our children, are things we just don't want to deal with. You know, we don't want to deal with the harshness of the world. This is a dark, dangerous place, which is why I remind everyone, find as much peace and happiness as you can. Find calm, because there's going to be times you're not going to be able to, and you need to be able to switch off. You need to be able to decompress. Put as many, much of your energy into positive things as you can every day. Avoid toxicity. Keep it simple, stupid, or as I call myself, kiss the anachronism. I, I just, I'm appalled. And I can't wait to hear what our government has to say about this and other governments, the, 20, the 30 NATO members, 27 who reside in Europe, 
I can't wait to hear what they want to say about this. Maybe what he's try, trying to do is prompt an invasion of Russia. That could be one of the uh, of the motivation, motivating factors here. You know, guys, at some point, we're going to have to take our gloves off with this guy and roll the dice. And maybe this is what's written in history for us or in the Bible about the end of days. I don't even know how to quantify this. But you can't live with your tail tucked between your legs trying to avoid the bully on the block. Sometimes you got to take the gloves off. Maybe you're going to get a bloody nose. Maybe you're going to land on your feet. You know, I've been in both places. You know, I've been fortunate. I've landed on my feet quite a bit in in rather contentious or controversial situations, and I've had my share of them, trust me. You know, I I haven't lived my life like a popularity contest. I think maybe some of our elected officials think that's what this is about or playing to their constituents. But this is a time for courage. This is a time for resolve. This is a time for integrity. And I certainly hope that we have it, not just in this country, but globally. Because if what we're hearing today is true, we need to go after this jackass. And there's no other nice way to say about it. Look, I'm not going to mince who I am. I'm a rather base individual. I have a lot of education, but I came out of the streets. I know how to problem solve. I like to do it like a gentleman with diplomacy. But if you take me in the other direction, I'll be happy to go there with you. That has to be the position and the mentality of this government. Always diplomacy, exhausted. And then if you really want to back me in a corner or you make it necessary, I'll go to any means necessary to put you back into alignment. I want to remind the audience, please go to our website, send us stories, you know, uh, anything you'd like to talk about on the show, send emails. I like when you call in this exchange with Margaret today, for example, um, was very productive. That's the only thing I can say. This is someone who's very plugged in, and um, I hope I gave her the remedies that she was looking for. I do want to thank you know everybody that's involved in this production. This isn't just me. It's Lloyd Molander, Ryan Rosselli, Gary Spurgeon. The head of this fish is Brian Williams, Keith Hyman. You know, don't ever think this is me by myself because it isn't. You know, I have a lot of good direction, a, a good support mechanism. We're going to hopefully see you guys next week. My name is Lou, and this has been Between the Lines.